<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. We've got a lot to talk about today. I want to start out with this uh, narcissist, money-grubbing pig and what he's going to be doing on 9-11. That whole idea that these, you know, uh, white nationalists or white supremacists showing up at public schools yelling and screaming and threatening people with their guns and their Confederate flags, demanding that the schools not use masks or not require vaccines for their kids over 12. In most cases, they're not parents, but there's a larger agenda here that has to do with destroying public schools. We'll get to that. And why would they want to do that? Well, you know, things like evolution and history. And well, we'll get to that. But let me start with this money-grubbing pig, this orange guy who was in the White House for four years arguably because his, his good friends in Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates and Russia helped put him there, you know, along with his good friends, the other billionaires in America, has decided on November 11th that rather than having a, uh, you know, a respectful recollection of November 11, he's going to charge people 50 bucks to hear him call the fight between Ovander Holyfield and uh, Victor Belfort. I may be mispronouncing that. I don't follow boxing. But uh, say, say that again. Vitor Belfort. Vitor Belfort. Thank you, Nate. And his uh, little boy, Donnie Jr., he's going to be helping, you know, <laughs> to call this thing. Really? I mean, is this because Donald Trump, after 9-11, went on TV and lied about 9-11, saying that he had, he had seen on TV Muslims celebrating in the streets of New Jersey. No, that never happened. He lied through his teeth about it. He repeated that lie probably dozens, maybe hundreds of times at various rallies and in other venues. That he lied that he went down to 9-11 to see if he could help out. He didn't. That he lied that he sent people from the Trump Organization down to the Twin Towers after they crashed to help clean up. He didn't. Is that why he's not doing this? Or is it a good thing for America and for all of us, frankly, that this money-grubbing pig is going to be kind of out of our sight because most of America is going to be paying attention to 9-11? And yeah, I, know, I get it. That there's a few boxing fans out there, people who like to see 
you know, one human being injure another human being in a way that may kill them or destroy their lives permanently with traumatic brain injury. You know, I get that. But I think most of America is not there anymore. I know boxing was popular like 100 years ago when we had no idea how much damage being hit in the head does to you. When we didn't know about all these football players who have committed suicide or, or for that matter, soldiers. I mean, we, we were wondering why so many uh, Vietnam vets were homeless and, and, and dying early and committing suicide. Why is it that we have over 20 vets every single day who commit suicide in the United States? Turns out one of the bigger pieces of it is traumatic brain injury, which is, I mean, just think about this for a minute. I, you know, when I was a kid, there, was, there were these shows on TV where the private detective or the good guy, if he wanted to take out the bad guy, instead of pulling out a giant machine gun and killing him, it hit him over the head with a sap, right? You know, with a, a sock full of, uh, of nickels or, or rocks or BBs or whatever, you know, something, something hard and knock them unconscious. Well, now we know that if you get hit in the head hard enough to be knocked unconscious and you'll get really quick treatment for it, you have what's called, you can have what's called a traumatic brain injury, which will produce, can produce for the rest of your life, clinical depression, suicidal depression, in addition to other disordered forms of thinking. So that's what Donald Trump is going to be doing on 9-11. And I just, I just think this is crazy. And I know CNN is going to have a special tonight about 9-11, I believe. No, it's MSNBC is going to have it. Well, everybody's going to have specials on 9-11. I mean, you know, today is the 8th, tomorrow is 9-11. What I'm going to be looking for on the 9-11 specials is, are any of them going to point out, as Sandy Berger pointed out on this program back in 2003, Sandy Berger, who was Bill Clinton's national security advisor, came on this program and he told us just straight up that when the presidential transition was happening from George Bush, Dick Cheney and Condoleezza Rice to Bill Clinton, excuse me, yeah, to, uh, to excuse me, to, from, let me start over, that when the presidential transition was happening, from Bill Clinton, Al Gore, and Sandy Berger to Dick Cheney and Condoleezza Rice, that he explicitly told Condoleezza Rice, his, the person who was taking his job, that Osama bin Laden was planning to attack America, that he was seriously pissed off about our still having American soldiers on Saudi Air Force Base. And he knew, he had personal knowledge that Al Gore had told Dick Cheney the same thing and that Bill Clinton had told Donald, uh, had told uh, uh, George W. Bush the same thing. He got it. He knew it. And Bush said, okay, Dick Cheney, I'm putting you in charge of this, of this 9-11 security. I mean, it wasn't 9-11 then, but I'll put you in charge of this Osama bin Laden thing. The, you know, the, the Democrats are all hysterical about this. Bill Clinton says he's going to attack us. Uh, he actually had attacked us several times. He, he blew up a couple of our ships, you know, the USS Cole, and there was another one. So he put Dick Cheney in charge of that, and Dick Cheney had two jobs that, that George W. Bush put him in charge of. That was one, counterterrorism, do something about bin Laden. And number two was 
figure out how to invade Iraq and how we're going to split up the oil fields and which American companies are going to get which oil fields and which ones we're going to sell off to foreigners when we take control of Iraq. Cheney's Iraq task force met multiple times. They drew up these elaborate maps. Larry Klayman, the, the, the right-wing head of Judicial Watch, sued under the Freedom of Information Act, got those maps and published them. And that's what Cheney was doing from January 20th of 2001 until 9-11. He had one meeting in, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before 9-11 of his terrorism task force. And I, as far as we can all tell, you know, they had some coffee and ate some donuts. But they did nothing. Is that going to be discussed? Is it going to be discussed that the planning for 9-11 was done in Germany and in Florida and in Pakistan, not in Afghanistan? Sure, Osama bin Laden paid for it, and he was living in Afghanistan. And yeah, he did have a training camp in Afghanistan, but it was like, the, you know, the, it was like these guys in Midwestern states who go out in the woods and shoot up trees, you know, uh, practicing you know, in, their, in their camo guard. It had nothing to do with 9-11. None of those people went through 9-11. In fact, the people who went, who, the, the 19 people who participated in 9-11, seven of them were engineers. I mean, you know, like mechanical engineers, like, you know, college degree engineers. So, yeah, they knew how to take down a building with an airplane. Fifteen of them were Saudis. One was an Egyptian, one was a Lebanese, two were from the United Arab Emirates. None of them were from Afghanistan or Iraq. Is any of that going to be discussed in these commemoratives? What are you looking for in this? What lesson do you think America needs to learn from 9-11? Other than that on the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of it, our, our former president, can you imagine if Obama was calling a boxing match? Just think about that for a minute. President Obama is going to call a boxing match on 9-11 instead of going and laying a wreath. Can you imagine the freak out? Mike in Wycliffe, Ohio. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. That's Wycliffe, Ohio. Wycliffe. Not that it matters. Okay, no, it's all good. <laughs> Ohio is uh, one of the most ignorant states in the union, uh, run by Republicans, of course. Yeah, it seems. Um, and, and one of the most corrupt states in the union. Um, but getting back to 9-11, I saw a wonderful program last, last night on PBS Frontline. Mm -hmm. they, I would urge yourself and your listeners to watch it. It's about two hours long, but specifically what it was was from the very beginning uh, when the Russians were leaving and how it led up to January the 6th. And it, it, it was just a, a startling program to watch. And, but you know what, Tom? I'm convinced, and, and I'll be 70 years old in a couple months, so I lived through the Vietnam era. No, we won't learn. Yeah. We never do. Well, and there's huge financial interests on the side of war. Of, of course. Uh, specifically, the, the U.S. As long as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and other right-wing entities operate this country, and they do, 
it, it will be never ending. And there's also and political interests. I mean, you know, the, the, the most famous kings of Europe were the ones who ran wars. Uh, some of our most famous presidents were the ones, you know, Lincoln, FDR, who ran wars. Um, war is something that, that uh, is rarely a bad bet for, for a president. And well, nobody's, nobody's even remembering George W. Bush lying us into two wars. You know, everybody's... And, and believe me, Tom, the program gets into that hmm. in depth. Oh, fascinating. And I, I, oh, it's just a tremendous program. But I, I'm not sure if it was Michael Moore that said, and I mean, this hits it right on the head. With this country, ignorance leads to fear, and fear leads to hate. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that I got out of that program. Yeah, fear is almost always and, the basis of hate. Yeah, I'm and, with you. And I, I mean, it, it just, uh, it's so depressing, but I, I don't see, I don't see how it would end, because it seems to me, and, and you might have said it, where George Bush was one, at one of these international meetings, and someone came up to him and, and asked him what the United States makes, and he said to them, we make war. Hmm. I, don't, I don't recall that. But, you know. uh, I, it just, so at any rate, uh, Tom, if you get the time, and it is, like I said, it is two hours long, mm -hmm. but it's just tremendous. It's on PBS, you said. On PBS Frontline. Frontline. Oh, Frontline does great investigative reporting. Mike, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, you bet, Tom. Yep. And thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV there in uh, Ohio. Janine in Fort Myers, Florida. Hey, Janine, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? Gosh, you're just like a national treasure. I <laughs> so appreciate your show. Well, uh, you. I want to give you some verbal an ammunition. I think it should be called the killbuster because it kills bills and it kills democracy. Ah, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. I like that. You want that. one more? Sure. Republicans don't do very well with long-range thinking. You know, as you, you've said, they're killing off their base by being anti-vaccine and anti-mask. But, you know, these anti-abortion laws, largely affecting poor black women, will lead to a population explosion of black births. Yeah, I, you know, I, I sort of pointed that out last week. I, I'm, I'm very wary of getting, of basically talking to white supremacists. <laughs> but, but you would think that the white supremacists in Texas would be saying, hey, wait a minute, let me get this straight. White women, by and large, you know, uh, this is why more than half of them voted for Trump, uh, can afford to fly from Texas to, you know, name your state and get an abortion. But black and Hispanic women, uh, obviously not all are poor. There's a strong and, and substantial black and Hispanic middle class, actually. And there's, there's a, you know, a few very wealthy black and Hispanic people. But by and large, uh, the you know, the, the pockets of poverty that exist in Texas are, are more black and Hispanic than they are white. And so they're not going to get abortions. They're going to, you know, carry their babies to term. And so you're going to end up with more black and, and brown people right. and fewer white people. And, right. uh, you know, hey, white racists in Texas, have you figured this out? Maybe your governor yeah. is selling you out. Maybe, maybe you, yeah. you know, you thought he was one of you. You thought he was a white racist, but here he is. I mean, you know, 
I, 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 like I said, like I said, Janine, I, I was reluctant to go down that road. Um, in fact, my my wife, who's a, a wise counselor and and with Sean, the executive producer of this program, um, advised me against it, and I think she was right. But but you have a point. Um, I and I I just it's it's like amplifying the whole white supremacist thing to 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 go there too much, but. Yeah. And in addition, it's more unwanted children, more prisons being full, That's more social tragedy. work, you know, necessary and support from greater society. It's really tragic. Yeah, that's that's the real tragedy. And, and, and we saw this. Um, uh, we saw this in the 80s and 90s uh, after right. abortion was decriminalized in 1973. The number of unwanted children, the number of uh, went down. The foundling homes essentially went out of business. Um, the uh, many of the childcare facilities that existed back in the 80s and 90s, and Louise and I started one in the 1980s in New Hampshire, no longer exist. And it's because uh, the, the, the this large population of unwanted children that had come out of the anti, uh, you know of the of abortion being illegal up until 73, and really functionally illegal until 74, 75. It just got you know took a couple of years to before it got easier to get an abortion. Um, so that large population of unwanted children became the kids who, you know, either desperately needed social or mental health services or were in prison. And crime has been going down steadily since the, since the 1990s. It's at the lowest levels ever, you know, uh, if you separate out the last year and a half or so because of COVID. And there's a, there's a good argument to be made that that's why. And that's going to reverse. Yeah. That trend is going to reverse itself. But, you know, Greg Abbott will be long gone by then. I mean, that, that trend will reverse yeah. itself in another 15 years. Yeah. So, Janine, thank you. Thank you for the call. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you and Ziggy in Oneida, New York. Hey, Ziggy, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, and it's Oneonta, New York. Oneonta, and, um, thank you. Yes, you got it. What I do every day is I uh, receive your um, rant via email, and I use that as a basis to write the president, the my two uh, senators, and my congressman via email on the subject that you sent out. So for today, my email to them was to end the uh, Medicare Advantage scam. And I was thinking if more people also did that, we could get uh, more exposure to our subjects possibly with our elected officials. Very cool. Yeah, and you know, my daily rant, which is uh, typically you know my opening rant on the show, but I, you know, Louise and I write it the night before and the morning of. I mean, we worked on it for about an hour this morning before we published it. Um, is uh, at at HartmanReport.com and it's free, and uh, it's got no ads, and we don't sell our list or anything like that. So it's just it's there as our version of a public service. Ziggy, that's great. Thank you. Thanks. For, thanks for the idea. By the way, uh, there's another point that I wanted to make here. Just just a very quick rant, and then I'll pick up your phone calls. As I said, we have no guests today. It's you and me. We're going to have a, a a wonderful day, a fascinating day, and that is the, this idea. That and Mark Sumner laid this out brilliantly over at Daily Kos, and I, I, I want to give him credit for it. He's one, he's one of the best writers out there. Uh, Mark Sumner and Hunter, are, uh, between the two of them, and Gabe Ortiz when it comes to to, to immigration uh, things, as well as others. Uh, you know, Marcos has got some great people writing for him. This was titled "Attacks on Masks in Schools Aren't Just About Masks; They're an Attempt to Destroy Public Education." And I, I, I want to go even beyond what Mark was pointing out. Back in the 70s, Ronald Reagan, when he was trying to make his national chops to run for president in 1980, Ronald Reagan was pushing for a, a, uh, a requirement that every school in America have prayer every day, prayer in school. In fact, there was talk about a prayer in school constitutional amendment, prayer in school laws. Uh, you know, prayer in school was like, a major battleground. Then there was the uh, the sex ed battleground around the same time and in the 80s and in the early 90s, sex education in schools, how we've got to have abstinence only sex education. Reagan actually put that into place and that was in 1982 or 83. Uh, he put into place a federal program to provide curriculum to schools all over the country. It was a you know well-funded program that was abstinence-only education. No mentioning of condoms, no mentioning of birth control pills, no mentioning of abortion, of course. Um, uh, just, you know, uh, girls, boys won't want to marry you if you're not a virgin when you get married. And boys, you don't want to get sexually transmitted diseases from those girls. That, that's the essence of it, right? And that got, you know, by the Obama administration, that got defunded in 2010. And Trump brought it back and tripled the funding for this. And so a lot of states are doing this. And, and so this, I mean, this is like the school boards, our public schools have been battlegrounds for a long time. That's just one example. There are other examples. The other one, obviously, right now that everybody's talking about is the teaching of the actual racial history of the United States, the so-called critical race theory, and, you know, how it's being banned in state after state and all this kind of stuff. 
But what we're finding at these school board meetings is that these people showing up who don't have children, who are members of right-wing militias and white supremacist groups, and are shouting about Nazism and masks and vaccine mandates and all this kind of stuff, there is a hidden agenda here. And the hidden agenda isn't just indoctrinate the next generation. That's a piece of it which is why they're all hysterical about the teaching of history. But a larger piece of it is literally to destroy public education. When David Koch ran for president in 1980 on the libertarian ticket, part of his platform was to end all free public education. Libertarians have been pitching this forever. This isn't just David Koch, who is now passed along. Um, this, this is their thing. Public education is socialism. We can't have this. We've got to have education being provided by churches and by billionaires and by for-profit schools. And so by forcing teachers to expose themselves to deadly diseases and turning our, our public schools into hotbeds of disease, what comes out of that? More private schools, more opportunities for grifters and hustlers to make a buck. And by the way, more whites-only public private schools. And then you just, oh, leave the public schools. Yeah, of course, we want to have a few public schools for the black people and the Hispanic people. And, the you know, like, this is where they're You're going. listening to the Tom Hartman program. These people showing up at these school board meetings, they want to destroy public education, not fix it. They are not patriots. They're saboteurs. Max and Clackamas. Hey, Max, what's uh, what's on your mind? Thanks for watching this on YouTube. Hey, Tom. Good to see you on YouTube. I just wanted to call and uh, sort of both warn people and ask people. My uh, little sister, she's 20 years old. <clears throat> she suffers from uh, pre-existing conditions which cause her to be prescribed a drug called Humira, which is an immunosuppressant. Right. So already she has a very high risk of getting sick. And because of that, she was responsible and got the vaccine and was doing everything that we've all been advised to do to prevent the spread and catch of COVID. And then she went back to her little uh, private Christian evangelical university in Ohio, which had a one in 10 infection rate. Oh, God. And yeah, um, she just got out of the ER, out of the hospital. Uh, in Ohio. She, being 20 years old, uh, tried to get into the regular hospital in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And my mom sent me pictures of people like literally gasping for air on the sidewalk outside the hospital, like like a fish out of water wow. kind of thing. Um, it, it, she said it was like, like talking to my mom, she, she's very emotional always, you know, for the little things. But she was completely just zombie almost she said yeah it's like something from a bad movie like just like that just matter of fact i think she's we've all very... become a little numb to it max yeah um I mean, it's it's amazing so, that that we that we have come to the point where we're accepting 1500 people dying a day or 600,000 americans dead as like well okay that's life i guess it's amazing it really hits you different when it's like your your own little 
sister. Yeah. And I can imagine how it hits different if it's your, is your she mom. Okay or, uh, no. I mean, she's out of the ER, which, mm. by the way, she got into a children's hospital ER mm. um, because she's only 20, and they started accepting children, starting accepting people up to 21. Mm-hmm. Her left leg is basically a limp noodle, as my mom described. She has to use a walker, oh, um, and she gets dizzy. Somehow, I, I, I'm not a medical expert, but I, I hear that, and I'm like, somehow that's got to like affect the nerves right. or something. She might have also, had... with the loss of taste and smell, right? Yeah. Like, that's a nerve thing. Yeah. So uh, my word is people who are on immunosuppressants already know to, to, to be extra careful. Yeah. But uh, maybe don't send your kid back to an evangelical university where <laughs> there's a 10% positivity rate. And her, her roommates, by the way, are, like, mocking her. You, you know it's bad when my mom and the mother of one of my sister's college roommates, uh, you know, get into an argument on Facebook over, you know, whether it's real or not. It's just, it's really? just completely bananas. Yeah, it's just bananas. It's surreal. Um, meanwhile, Tom, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, good luck finding a, a therapist or a counselor anywhere in, in the Portland regional <laughs> metro. Everybody's completely booked up for the next two months. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah my, my daughter-in-law is a, is a psychotherapist. It's a, the, the business is booming, sadly. Oh, yeah. yeah no kidding. Business is booming. Well, Tom, good to talk to you. Nice and, talking uh, to you, everybody Max. Everybody be safe. Yeah, Especially John Humera. There you go. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Max. What a story. Tom Harbin here with you, uh, Raven in Medford. Hey, Raven, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how are you? I have two things to say, one very quickly and very strongly. So the first is that I am a HIV patient of 30-something years. Mm -hmm. I have a T-cell count slightly over 200. I've taken the vaccine. I've been fully vaccinated. And I have no problems from it whatsoever. Good. If I probably hadn't taken it, I'd probably be dead by now because I have such a low T-cell count. Yeah. There is no excuse to not take the vaccination. Amen. The second thing is that, I hate to say it, but I believe that as long as we refuse to, t- to, take, to treat the anti-vaxxers and the seditionists as they truly deserve, that doesn't mean we have to be violent towards them, but as long as we refuse to treat them as they truly deserve, they're simply going to continue because what they're really doing is taking advantage of our better natures. And so here's the question, Raven. Can do that. What, what yeah. is the treatment that they truly deserve that you're advocating? I'm saying, so I trained in mental health, and we used to have addicts and alcoholics. And we found that if we got them away from their buddies, from their crowd, and we started dealing with them in detox with the reality of the situation, a number of them actually began to come around. But if we had any of the staff that would even, um, I want to say, even so sympathy towards their position, they would immediately fall back hmm. into their old behaviors and thinking. Hmm. We had to be very strong, very firm about what reality really was. And even if they became violent towards us, we would have to say, no, you are wrong, and that is all there is to it. I don't have to show you any facts or anything else. You know yourself that you're wrong. And I'm not going to stop Tom or Jerry from um, voicing their opinion, which is correct. 
I'm not going to stop um, giving so-and-so their medication. I'm not going to stop any of that. Mm-hmm. You have to set where you are at and where everyone else is at. And we are not going to constantly placate to you and baby you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm over it. Uh, I, I'm just completely over it. And, and I'm also over this press coverage. I'm, I, I want to tomorrow really make that a focus of my rant, this, this press coverage that like, oh, gee, we've got two Americas, people who don't want to get vaxxed and people who do want to. No, we've got a, a fringe that has been convinced by, by foreign trolls and by, and by uh, hustlers in the Republican Party who are trying to create a crisis in the United States to make it difficult for Joe Biden to govern because they want Republicans to be in control of the country again so that they can cut taxes for billionaires and further deregulate the country. And that's what's going on. It's not like, you know, half the country doesn't want to get vaccinated. 70% of the country is vaccinated now. We're one of the highest rates in the world, but not in the red states and not in the red counties. And that is just so wrong. And I'm sick and tired of it. I'm over it with these people. Robert in Omaha. Thank you, Raven. Uh, Robert in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Robert, what's up? Yes. Hello. I would like to ask you a question. And I feel like there's no easy way to ask this. And the exception to this question would be like for anybody who has any close family or friends who were affected by it. But I know that you're talking about 9/11. Yeah, 9/11 happened like in 2001, and it's now like 2021. And I know that after the first few years after a tragedy, we remember and we pay our respects to right. people and everything. But then after a while, what is your opinion on, like, after a while, would it be okay to, like, maybe ask people to, like, I don't know, like, or if we sort of, like, move on or? Well, that's what happens throughout history, Robert. We, you know, we no longer memorialize the end of World War. Well, we sort of do. I mean, that's uh, November 11th. used to be called Armistice Day. You know, now we call it something else. But it, it. it uh, started out memorializing the, the signing of the armistice that ended World War I. Um, uh, we, we still remember Pearl Harbor. We still remember VE Day, but not, not in the ways that we did in the 50s when I was a kid, when it was a huge deal, right, these things. Um, I think, you know, time heals all wounds, as it were, and it, and it, and it fades away the, these memories. And there will be new outrages, I guarantee you. Robert, thank you for the call. I get, I get your question. I don't think that there's a clean or simple answer other than that time tends to take care of those things. And, and, and you're absolutely right. For people who lost somebody in 9-11, uh, it's never going to go away. It'll be with them for the rest of their lives. And they're, and they're going to want to have something. They're going to want to have a memorial. And, and it's fine with me. Mike in Seattle. Hey, Mike, what's up? What's on your mind? Well, I'm on the the things that you rail against. I happen to Medicare have advantage. Kaiser, yeah, I have it with Kaiser Permanente, and that's um, one of the better programs. Actually, as long as you stay in system, you're in good shape. Um, I've um, I don't really have much to complain about. There's a few things I could rant about, but um, they've been pretty decent. I get the the screenings get done on a on a regular basis. In fact, if I I don't want to go in. They like actually nag me um, on it, right? Because um, they're they're looking for things that they can use to raise their risk score, so they can increase the amount of money that they're draining out of the Medicare well, trust fund. Well, 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 calm, calm down, Tom. Part of what they're looking for is they're looking to make sure that I don't get sick. 
that I don't get something that gets really, really bad, that they can catch it early on. That's been a... Of course, that's a piece of it. That's, that's what your doctors should be doing every year. That's why you have a physical. Right. That's what group health has done. I've been with these folks for 20-some years. Yeah. Um, I'm on a very, very expensive medicine, which is the only thing that's keeping me alive. And um, I did have to deal with a death panel, but they approved me first try. And I have to go in every three weeks. Um, it's an infusion type of process. It sucks. Mm-hmm. I don't do needles very good. Yeah. And um, it's um, in the infusion nurses here in Seattle, they're the greatest people in the world. I, yeah. I, well, I'm glad it's working for you, Mike. And because you now have a pre-existing condition, it'll be very difficult for you to get back to regular Medicare. Um, but if yeah. you're happy with Kaiser... You know, good luck and God bless. I mean, that's all I can say. I, 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 what I do know is that Kaiser is one of the better plans. Uh, typically, the ones administered by HMO are better. But if you get sick in an area where you're out of, out of plan, where you can't get to a Kaiser facility or one that they have a, a cooperative agreement with, it can cost you a fortune. And I hope that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, yeah my sister and her husband have standard Medicare. And um, they changed gap policies, and um, that was a fiasco. Uh, he's on a, a special medication, and um, they didn't want to cover it because it's the more expensive stuff. Right. And she spent about a month on the phone, and they wanted him to go back to this older medication and try it, and she's like, it'll kill him. Yeah. And so she took a month, and untold hours on the phone and emails to get finally the correct medication. Yeah, that's, that is not a problem that is unique to either Medicare Advantage or Medigap insurance. That is a insurance company it's a problem. Universal, and it's, it's yeah, universal and it's, and it's why we need to get rid of that 20% gap in Medicare and just have Medicare cover 100%. It's it's just very straightforward. But Mike, I, you know, I'm glad to hear of your of your uh, success so far with it, and I wish you the very best. Tom in Florence, Oregon. Hey, Tom, what's up? Oh, hi, Tom. I just successfully completed my change from Advantage uh, AARP Advantage over to Medigap in Oregon. Oh, cool. Uh, I can I explain the process. I, there's a lot of talk about what you need to do, but I just did it, and I'll explain how. Yes, first, I'm in Oregon. Your state may vary. Oregon has two laws. One is in your first year after your uh, 65th birthday, you can change to Medigap without a, a penalty, without pre-existing conditions being considered. Um, so if you signed up is, for, in Oregon, so if you signed up for Medicare Advantage when you turned 65, because your insurance agent hustled you into it or you saw a TV ad, you still have 12 months before they can really screw you that you can shift back to regular Medicare and Medigap. Exactly. I took the free AARP Medigap, uh, I mean, Advantage plan uh, in my first three months after I was automatically put on A and B. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so they, uh, you, you Google Oregon and Medicare, and they re- refer you to a volunteer uh, counselor at an organization called SHIBA, S-H-I-B-A, and that person walked me through on he he ran up some estimates and sent me PDFs on all the Medigap plans and uh, and also the drug plans. So uh, I found the cheapest one in a small uh, town like Florence, Oregon. There's a local state farm agent where I'm paying uh, fourteen hundred and ninety dollars a year 
for the Medigap plan. Which ain't bad. And the trick is that uh, they go through underwriting, but it's uh, no pre-existing review, condition mm-hmm. review, no medical review, none of that stuff. It's almost automatic. Right. And then every year, since the Medigap plan can change from 133 a month, uh, can change prices, and there's 20 companies to choose from, you have 30 days after your next birthday to change even your Medigap plan without pre-existing conditions in Oregon. That's great. So I made that I made that move, but there's a there's a gotcha here. The, you also have to have a drug plan uh, in order not to have a penalty under Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the uh, way to do that is wait for the underwriter to approve your Medigap switchover, and after you've done that, you go get a drug plan. I can find one for six dollars and thirty cents a month. Mm-hmm. And you, when you when you do sign up for that drug plan, and you have to wait till get uh, activated on the Medigap, then the drug plan you sign up for automatically cancels the AERP Advantage plan. So you oh, have to do it in a two-step process. But it was so easy, and it's cheaper. I'm paying fifteen hundred dollars a year when even my deductible is twenty nine hundred a year on the the free plan on the old Advantage plan. Huh. Tom, thank you for to that. The Tom right? Hartman program. That's a great one. I picked up the drug coverage uh, plan from the same company that I get my Medigap plan from, for what it's worth. That works well for me. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And oh. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and Joe in Portland. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind? Tom, it's actually Jeff. Uh, good Jeff. morning. Oh, I'm and, sorry, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you you're talking about Joe Manchin. I, my apologies. Yes. Yeah, and, and by the way, congratulations on the new book. I look forward to getting it. Um, but, yeah, regarding, um, you know, and thanks for calling out Biden and Schumer um, regarding Joe Manchin. And, Tom, we need to remind people in corporate media that uh, Joe Biden, the Democrats, were elected to bring the pandemic, A, bring the pandemic under control, B, get the economy going again by building back better in a way that mitigates the uh, 
growing threat of climate change, which just last week wreaked havoc across the country. You know, 90 percent of Democrats support the three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation plan, Tom. So, you know, imagine he's not just going against Biden. He's going against the entire Democratic agenda that won us back the House and the Senate. Yep. And 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 finally, Tom, I would link this. I see what's going on in California right now is a microcosm of what to expect in 22 and 24. You know, this recall vote is way too close for comfort. Um, as Lawrence O'Donnell explained last night, if 50 percent of more people in California don't vote no, and right now it's only like at 53 percent, if 50 percent or more don't vote no, then we're going to get, then California's going to get Larry Elder, the longtime mentor of, of Trump's white supremacist advisor, Stephen Miller. Um, you know, this, this would be a disaster uh, that ripples across the whole country. Um, yep. I mean, you talked about it and, and, you know, the Senate's at stake. If this guy gets in and, and finds, you know, uh, replaces Feinstein, Diane Feinstein. So, I mean, it, it's just uh, crazy to think that it's that close and it shows, you know, you got to give people, you get, the, the whole thing is you got to motivate people to get out to vote. And, and the uh, Latinos in California have been a little slow at waking up. Um, just last month they were, uh, pro recall and now they've shifted but um you know it's really going to take a big effort uh to get people out to vote um yeah. and and get over that 50 percent threshold so yeah. um and all you whatever you can keep doing to sound the alarm uh jean guerrero is a great writer for the la times and she she's really documented the uh you know the um Larry, the extent of Larry Elder's uh, white supremacist leanings, if you ever wanted to talk to her. Yeah, which is so ironic because he's a black guy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. how he gets away with it, basically. It's, it's crazy. You know, Spike Lee did a movie called Black Klansman. And I mean, and it was actually about a, a guy, uh, African-American who infiltrated the Klan. Right. Um, but you know, a true story. But he did it because it was over the phone. Of course, the Klan wouldn't accept a, a black man. But if they did, uh, Larry Elder would probably be the first one. I yeah. mean, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's he's he's just one of the most bizarre characters out there. And, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, if you're living in California and you haven't gotten your ballot in, do it now. Um, the fact that the one the one ray of light that I'm seeing right now, Jeff, is that all over the right wingosphere, You've got right-wing crazies going, the vote in California is rigged. It's going to be voter fraud, massive voter fraud. I guarantee because they see the, the probability, I think, uh, and I, I, I shouldn't even say this, you know, I knock wood, um, that Gavin Newsom is going to win this thing. Um, but uh, they're prepared for that. They're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to whine and complain and be uh, the snowflakes that they are. Um, if, if Newsom wins, and if he doesn't win, they're going to do their best to destroy the sixth largest economy in the world and our, yeah. our, second, our, our most populous state. It's, uh, it's a two, yeah, it's a two-pronged strategy. Again, I think that's exactly what they'll do in 2022 as well. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think, I, just because they're starting to do that with the big lie, I don't think uh, it could be like a rope-a-dope effort to get, you know, Democratic, Democratic voters complacent there yep. and not turn in their ballots. Yep. So, so yeah, turn, in, turn in your ballots. So this, is, this is a tight election. Jeff, thank you very much for that. Andy in Hoosick Falls, New York. Hey, Andy, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Uh, I just want to get back in touch with you on the um, uh, the prayer in the school systems. And um, oh, the thing that uh, I, I Ronald can... Reagan was championing back in the seventies right. and eighties. 
Yes, and I, I went to school in suburban New Jersey in the 70s and 80s, so I'm personal knowledge on this. And uh, so so many of these parochial schools are gone now. And I think the Republicans know this. The Christian Church knows this. They're losing participation in the parochial school systems, and I think they know there's a correlation between that and the drop in participation in the churches. Mm-hmm. And so, as well as the fact that we know, you know, Betsy DeVos proved this, that they want to privatize the school systems, I also believe that they are perfectly willing to take our public dollars and our public uh, uh, school money and use it to, to achieve the goals that they can no longer do with the private dollars, which they were getting uh, in the parochial schools. I mean, let's face it, the middle class can't afford uh, uh, school taxes and parochial school tuition. Right, private schools. Yeah. And, and the, right, and the Republican Party is not going to advocate for higher wages. We know that. So what they're going to do is, is that they're going to, like you said, try to form indoctrination programs like Reagan did, prayer in schools, let's mandate this, mm-hmm. because this is how they keep those participation levels up, especially in their voting populace, as well as in the, you know their, their lobbyists, which are you know highly uh, Christian in nature. It's also an industry, so, Andy. Religion is an yes, industry exactly. in the United States, and it needs to be recognized as such. Uh, there are some right. aspects of religion that are very much not an industry, you know, monasteries and, you know, some, uh, you know, yeah. there's there's some good stuff in religion. Um, but a lot of religion in the United States, and particularly when you look at it through the lens of where the money is, a large portion of it is an industry. And, and it's an industry that has become very badly corrupted by grifters and con men. Right. It's also very influential. And we also have a pattern of this. We've seen this before with the public dollars. We know that back in the day, private corporations stopped paying for private police forces to bust up unions. They used the public police force and the public dollars to do the work for them. And I think that the Republican Party would use the public dollars to to uh, get whatever Christian agenda they have through our school systems. Yeah, Just and, like these, and these people are not you Christians, know. they're Christianists. Uh, they, well, yes, you know, they, right. they are, they are uh, uh, this is religion and political garb, uh, or, mm-hmm. or, or exactly. politics and religious they, garb, actually, to, 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 right. to, to get it correct. A lot of, lot of hidden agendas going on. There you on. go. Yes. Andy, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for pointing that out. I appreciate it. Earl in Hyde Park, Illinois. Hey, Earl, what's up? Hey, John, thank you for taking my call. And uh, what I was wondering with you is uh, how do we uh, facilitate uh, vaccinations in these uh, red uh, areas in the state? Now, I live in Illinois, and uh, one of the problems that we have down in the southern Illinois is like a red state. And what we're, some of the complaints that we're hearing uh, from these areas that it's the lines are too long because the uh, facilities have been shut down uh, and not adequately uh, staffed so that... Hang on just uh, a second, Earl. Lines for what? You're talking for testing, for vaccination, for what? For both of those. Okay. And the, uh, and the, and the, and the red areas. And so I was wondering, can, is there a way that uh, Biden and uh, form a cooperation with the uh, Democratic governor try to figure out a way to uh, come down on the wait times and accessibilities for these uh, critical, you know, endeavors. 
do, do you have any ideas on, you know, what you could recommend that the government and state and local level, since the, you know, federal yeah. government and the state government have uh, various uh, jurisdictions? It's it's largely done on a state-by-state basis. I mean, the federal government was backstopping some of the big uh, vaccination centers and all that kind of thing for, for quite some time, but they stopped doing that a few months ago when basically uh, everybody who wanted to get vaccinated had gotten vaccinated, and, and it was, uh, you know, just the hardcore anti-vaxxers who weren't getting vaccinated. Now with the Delta, I, I agree with you, Earl. I think that they should start it back up again. Um, I'm not sure that they have the money. It might require another congressional appropriation. Good luck getting that past Republicans in the Senate. Um, but uh, uh, it, is, it is a challenge. It is a real challenge. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. It's the place where we dare to ask, is Walmart a person? And we dare to say, no, give me a break. Come on. Christine in Ashland, Oregon. Hey, Christine, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. There we go. Hi, Tom. Um, I just wanted to tell you about a little thing that happened to me in the grocery store yesterday. Okay. I take my car out to drive and do errands once a week, and so I did all my errands, and I found people all over my town with their masks, incorrectly being worn and face shields with no mask under it in buildings with a lot of people in them. And then I went to the grocery store to our co-op here and this lady's walking around with um, her mask below her nose and um, she, when she got to the checkout where all these people are standing she opens the um, beverage door, you know, the cooler, mm-hmm. and sneezes into the cooler where all the drinks are, where people reach in and Brilliant. get a, a beverage to drink with the tops, you know, right there. Mm-hmm. And she sneezed into this twice. Hmm. I, I just couldn't believe it. I'm just wondering if these, if the virus is being spread purposely because this was like a typhoid Mary moment. Yeah. I, I just blew odds me are, away. I've odds are she didn't have the virus. She was just trying to be an ass, basically. She was trying to be a provocateur. She was trying to make a public statement. Um, but you, you would think if she had the virus that she, you know, and, and she wasn't trying to spread it, that she would have sneezed into her elbow or something like that, you know, uh, or at least into her mask. So it sounds like you know just just people that we refer to as mask holes <laughs> you know? yeah well i sounded on her about it and she put on her sunglasses and didn't say anything and just kind of made herself small yeah. but i'm I, you know i just I, I, things are being spread so rapidly it, it wouldn't surprise me yeah, if yeah. people were actually going around. I'm not a conspiracy theory person, but, geez, this just seems so deliberate. Yeah. It just it's, blows it's, my mind. It's troubling, Christine. It really is. And, and it's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm sorry to hear about the story, but thank you for sharing it with us. And thank you for the call. Patricia mm-hmm. in Greeley, Colorado. Hey, Patricia, you were able to uh, 
uh, or you you were on regular <laughs> Medicare and your doctor's group stopped taking it. Is that the story? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to change doctors after over 20 years, but I do have one more appointment, and I'm going to bring them a copy of your latest book when I go there because I'm just so irritated at, at them. Good. Well, generally, the doctors' sure. groups that refuse to take Medicare are the ones that are trying to figure out ways to rip off the system. So you're probably making a good choice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And and, and they are only doing Humana Advantage plans, so I think Humana's just kind of cut them a deal, and maybe they want to... Uh, Probably their billing because billing is is a pain. But I'm just very disappointed in the, in their choice, and that's that's about all I have to say. But I'm glad I appreciate, and I wouldn't have known about this except for listening to your program when I went on to Medicare. I made that choice because I was informed due to free speech in your program. So I thank you. Oh, great. Well, thank you, Patricia. I'm glad it worked out well, and and I'm sorry to hear that your doctor's group is you know being run as a business rather than as a medical practice. <laughs> you know, thank you very much for the call. Good talking to you. The Tom Hartman program, helping you win the water cooler wars as we tell the truth, the multinational corporations. It would really rather you didn't know all about. We'll be right Welcome back. Susanna in Rapid City, South Dakota. Hey, Susanna, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. I have listened to you since 2004. Well, thank you. And I'm your biggest, biggest fan. Um, I have a quote from Albert Einstein to share with you. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Uh, he says, the American nation is a nation of people who have gone from barbarism to decadence without becoming civilized. Hmm. Interesting. It would be it would be fascinating to know the context of that quote. You know, what what provoked him to say that? Because he yeah. certainly he certainly watched, you know, what happened in Nazi Germany. He, he fled Nazi Germany. Um, yes. So that, that's fascinating. Suzanne, well, thank I you. have been here for almost 50 years. I came from now Czech Republic, mm -hmm. where a group was more important than the one person, and here was the opposite. The one person was is more important than the group. And what I noticed is that people are unaware of their effect on others. Yeah, and and how how their selfishness can kind of echo through our society. Yes. Susanna, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you for sharing your thoughts, and and for for be, for listening to the programs all that long. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. Thank you, Rick in Cartersville, Georgia. Hey, Rick, what's on your mind today? Uh, Tom, you had mentioned about the caller in Michigan who was a, a state retiree about uh, the um you know the program apparently it's not just uh, confined to the employees in michigan because i am a state retiree from the state of georgia and that uh, back before i retired that our uh, during run roper enrollment that uh, the people from the state had indicated that we would maximize my wife and i state our state dollars if we went on an HMO program, and that uh, after I, you know, retired, uh, that we of course remained on the HMO program, 
and that it is something other that we have been now wrapped around after uh, we have gone on, uh, you know, Medicare mm-hmm. into the you know Medicaid Advantage, and of course the only problem with switching over is the fact that uh, you know we would lose our employ our participation through our employer, the state of Georgia, if we did go out and take a private plan. Mm-hmm. I'm just uh, hoping that eventually that we will get. Uh, you know, national health care, Medicare for all, that will pay 100 percent and that we won't have to fool with anything. Yeah, like every other developed country in the world, instead of having all this mishmash and all these scams and hustles and, and states being paid off by insurance companies and doctors practices trying to play games and everything else. Rick, thank you for that. Uh, it's, it's not just one state. I'm not surprised. Thank you very much. Right. right. Good talking uh-huh. to you. Appreciate it. Luigi in Pensacola, Florida. Hey, Luigi, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, uh, thank you for taking my call, first of all. Second of all, wow, I've never heard you so angry in all the years I've listened to you. Sounds good to me, though, brother. i got to tell you something. What I do, and I don't know if it works for everyone, but I make telephone calls like to Joe Manchin. I live in Florida, but I call his office, even his local office. And what I say to them, look, if you can take out-of-state PAC money, from millionaires and billionaires who certainly should be able to take and listen to phone calls from citizens of this country, seeing as how everything you vote on impacts me, my family, my my state, and my nation. Amen, brother. And also, I'd like you to stop putting BS labels on their heads saying bought and sold. You know, because that's what they need to walk around with. Because that's exactly what Manchin is. And ditto to you, my friend. I, I use a lot of your stuff online. I get every morning. And I also read your rant first thing in the morning. I love it with my coffee. I don't do away with it. I don't even get near the paper until I read your rant. But I thank you for taking my call, Tom. And I get nervous, even though I'm a 76-year-old man. And by God, I'm not going to quit fighting until they put me in the coffin. And I love you, brother. Thank there you, you go. I, I share your sentiment, Luigi. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going down until I'm going down. Thank you. Steve in Chicago. Hey, Steve, I, got, I have 30 seconds to the end of the show. You got a quick one here you wanted to talk about the Chicago situation? Only in that I'm, I'm concerned about the, the way in which we get information. This is a rather epistemological question because those of us who live here in Chicago um, have information that's very different than what the national media has reported. And, Steve, uh, give me a shout tomorrow and let's talk about it, okay? Because uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just flat out of time. But, but give me a shout tomorrow and, and we'll get into it because it's the end of the show. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Get out there, get involved, get registered to vote if you're not. Make sure all your friends are. There's an election coming up in, what, 14 months thereabouts? Uh, we got to start paying attention to this stuff. Big things happening. Tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.